Welcome, ladies and gents, to Failure to Launch, a choose-your-own-adventure podcast where we make up the story as we go along. My name's Jonathan Barber, and I'm a screenwriter. That means I've created a ton of stories over the course of my life, but not all of them are fit for TV or the big screen. I didn't want my ideas sitting on a shelf collecting dust for the rest of time, so I decided to adapt some of my personal favorites into choose-your-own-adventure-style stories for your listening pleasure. Joining me, I've got a great cast and crew whose mission it is to go through these stories and to try and make it to the very end. Results may vary. Introducing for the very first time on the show, we have the remarkable David Calvert. Hello, guys. How's it going? The stellar Christopher Matthews. Hello. And the bodacious Mitch Stockmull. Hey, guys. Welcome, guys. So great to have you on board. So in order to better explain to the audience how this podcast works, this show is going to be separated into seasons, and each season is composed of a single story or screenplay. There will obviously be a designated start and end point to the stories that I've created, but since this is a choose-your-own-adventure, you all have the potential to steer this story in any direction you desire. Try not to abuse your powers too much, okay? The season ends when my three co-stars either complete the story or reach some kind of fail state that they cannot recover from. This first season is based on a sci-fi survival horror story, so the fail state this time around would be that you either die or you are so horribly maimed and injured that you are physically unable to continue. The story that we are going to try and complete this season is called Dark Waters. This is a screenplay that I wrote back in college, and I had the inspiration to write this story after experiencing a very weird dream involving submarines and winter jackets. True story. <laughs> if I had to compare this to other more famous works, it's sort of a mix between the movie Alien and the video games Subnautica and Dead Space. So anyways, now that my introductions are out of the way, let's get familiar with our three main characters, David, Chris, and Mitch. You guys begin the story on the Starship Ambassador as it travels to the water world of Neurocosmos. More on that in just a second. Tell us about your characters, their names, why they're on this ship, and if you're in the mood, any special abilities or equipment that you might have on your persons. So I've got Steve Remont. He's a, the ship navigator. Um, his specialties are computer skills, so anything kind of having to do with like any technical problems. And he's really good at like, you know, logic. So he's a ship scientist, effectively. He's a rookie. He's fresh out of school, you know, did his first couple years um, in the Space Academy. What do they call What is it in this universe? I don't know, Starfleet Academy. Starfleet Academy. <laughs> oh, it sounds very Star Trek and copyright. But... Uh, I took it from Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> oh, fair enough. So, yeah, sure. Starfleet Academy. Um, it's fresh out, ready to go on a mission. So this is his first time out there. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Chris, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, my character's name is Samuel Gray. He's a soldier turned doctor. Has seen some combat, but prefers to help people instead of hurting people. No real skills other than an extreme and extensive medical training and knowledge. My guy is named uh, Matthew McGregor. He is a tech specialist who has uh, rubber gloves, soles, and underclothes that allow safe work with live or tampered electrical Live or tampered electrical equipment. Okay, that's very cool. All right, gents, now that we've covered all the introductory stuff, let's get started with season one, episode one of Failure to Launch. I hope you boys pack some swim trunks because we're heading for some dark waters. Our story begins on board the UPSC Ambassador, a low-level government starship primarily used for repair runs and the transportation of goods. The ship is outfitted with a sea-level star jumper, think a hyperspace drive, and it comfortably fits a crew of about six. For this mission, though, only four crew members are necessary. We have on board an engineer, 
an astronomer slash computer specialist, a doctor, and the one non-playable character, the pilot and captain, Wilton Adams. The ambassador hums quietly as it tears through the dark void of space. On board, the crew is busy going about their business as they prepare to arrive at their destination, the water world of Nero Cosmos. Discovered by Lysander Bridgewater in the year 2436, this planet is completely submerged in water and would be considered nothing more than a tourist attraction were it not for the abundant amounts of MacGuffinite found below the planet's surface. Just five years after Nero Cosmos' discovery, a mining outpost was constructed on planet by the company Offworld Minerals. The outpost was christened as the City of Plunder, and this man-made structure is the only piece of land that sits above the water's surface. Unfortunately though, for reasons unexplained, Nero Cosmos emits a constant electromagnetic pulse from its core, which makes long-range communication impossible. To compensate for this, Offworld Minerals designed a satellite system that would launch a beacon from the planet every 30 days. This beacon would be laden with status updates from the outpost, as well as with that month's haul of MacGuffinite. This process, though clunky, proved to be effective, and the 450 citizens and employees of Plunder worked hard to provide the OFM with the resources that they needed. At least, up until two months ago. Exactly 63 days before this story began, Plunder went silent. The cause for this was assumed to be a faulty satellite launcher, so the company hired a group of engineers and technicians to repair it. That's where you guys come in. The job is simple. Touch down on Eurocosmos, repair the satellite, and be on your way. Just another day in the office. Suddenly, blue light begins to flash throughout the entire ship, signaling to the crew that they have exactly 10 minutes before they arrive at their destination. From this point on, the story belongs to you, gentlemen. Don't mess up too badly. So at this point, that's all the exposition dump, and the story is now up to you guys. You are in the main cabin of the ship with the captain, and that's where I stop the handholding. All right, so we're chilling on the bridge. What do we do now? What do you want to do, guys? I'm We've thinking... About 10 minutes before we get there, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and continue on my duties and, you know, survey the upcoming area. Okay. You look at your little control panel thing, and what are you searching for? Uh, just to make sure we're on course. Everything is tip-top shape, ship 100% condition, everything is set to fly. Who else is up here with us on the bridge, you said? The main area? Um, the only other person with you is the Captain Wilton Adams. Yeah, he's he's really cranky. Just spoilers. Uh, Who else uh, ever stopped me before? I'm gonna go talk to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you approach Captain Adams, who is busy navigating the ship through the jump gate. He uh, barely acknowledges you except to grunt rudely in your direction. I will take his suggestion and back off. <laughs> okay. Adams uh, relaxes his posture and resumes flying the ship. He says something about frickin' newbies under his breath. I'd like to go to one of my crewmates and make the following comment. Kind of to anyone who's listening, really, but I'm just like, man, it's my first jump. I hope it's a safe one. I'm really excited. I grunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, um, Matthew McGregor, do you have anything you want to say in response? I'm going to go check on my supplies. Okay. So the ship, um, it branches into about four or five other rooms. Um, the ambassador is pretty small, but here's, um, here's basically what you can explore on the ship. You've got the flight deck or the main cabin where you guys are at. You've got the sleeping quarters, the mess hall, the bathroom, and the engine room. And that's, um, those are all the areas on the ship you can explore. You would know this because you work on this ship. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go to the engine room and just do some last minute diagnostics and checkups. 
Alright, the engine room. You cover your ears as you are assaulted by the roar of the Ambassador's Star Jump engine. It's not usually this loud since the room is heavily insulated on the outside, but once you're inside, there's no protection from the aggressive soundscape of this powerful machine. All around you, you see heavy machinery doing really complex stuff that's way above your pay grade. You assume that everything's working, but, you know, you can also investigate the room if you would like to see what's around you. Nah. So this is a little bit like Dungeons and Dragons, where it behooves you, obviously, to check things. But, you know, that's up to you. This is your story. I'm just the narrator. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm, I'm a specialist. I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, David or Chris? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say, what's your names? Uh, Samuel or Steve? Would either of you like to go around the ship and do anything? Uh, yes. What were the rooms you said earlier? There's the mess hall, the bathroom, uh, the sleeping quarters, and the engine room. I want to hit up some food in the mess hall. Just same. Okay. You, you guys want to go there together? It's the date. Uh. It's a date. Okay. The mess hall is a sparse, almost empty room, save for the matter converter sitting in the middle. It's the future, baby, and instead of growing food, you just rearrange the molecules floating in the air into something a bit more palatable. You can create just about any food your heart desires, but for whatever reason, most of it has a peanut butter aftertaste. We're not quite sure why. <laughs> what if I have a nut allergy? Well, then it sucks to suck. <sighs> in the year 2200, there was a decree that, you know, executed all peanut butter allergy people. I'm so oh, sorry. Thank God. They're like the gingers, a dying race. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, hmm, I wonder what. So any food I can think of here? Yeah. Now, it, this is only a food model. You can't just be like, oh, I'd like to make a samurai sword. It only right. works for food. Right, right, right. I feel that. Hmm. Even like something obscure. Oh, why don't you test it out and see? Sure. I want like a plate of escargot with ice cream on top. With ice cream on, with top. Ice cream on top. Yeah. All right. Uh, make sure you put a plate underneath the dispenser. Oh, okay. It's like a soft serve thing. I feel you. I feel <laughs> I you. Compare. Yeah. Okay, so you type in the command, and the machine shudders as a bunch of gray goo falls down very unappetizingly onto your plate. It sits there for a second, but all of a sudden it starts quivering, and then it slowly takes the shape of escargot with ice cream. It yeah, I liked it better when it was gray goo. It looked better then. <laughs> what it was, so basically you were asking for snail with soft serve ice cream, right? Yeah. Oh, goodness. I liked it better as Grey Goop. I feel like I shouldn't have asked for this. <laughs> this is a mistake. You can toss I just it was in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> you can toss it in the compactor or give it to Christy. Yeah, here, here you go, uh, Samuel. It's a. Uh, was it chocolate chips? I will devour whatever he's handed me. Oh my goodness. All right. Um. So in case we cut out that one part, Chris left for a second and he just came back. So um, you eat whatever ice cream and snail tastes like, and. After forcing it down your esophagus, you have a strange temptation, or you have a strange aftertaste of peanut butter in your mouth. Hmm, I do like peanut butter. Mm. <laughs> okay, great. Glad you ate that. So I'm gonna now that I've had some delicious escargot and ice cream, I'm gonna go check out these sleeping quarters, my quarters to be exact. You enter into the sleeping quarters and see a small but comfy room. Due to the size of the ship, everyone needs to sleep in this one location. But each person is given a single bed and a locker to store a few of their possessions. Alright. I'd like to check my locker then. Be prepared for when we touch down. Alright, you open up your locker and you see a change of clothes and a picture of your family. I'm not sure who they are, but it's your family. They look very nice. Ah, it's my dogs. It's your dogs. All six of them. Yes. Actually, before starting government work, Chris was a intergalactic dog farmer. Uh, fun fact. Wow. Yes. And what did you farm them for? Meat. 
Mmm. Yes. <laughs> can I make the food processor make that? You can make <laughs> dog meat, but it won't make something alive. Right, but it'll make something... It will, it will just be the corpse of a dog. Like a whole one? Like chicken. Yeah, sure, yeah. No, don't give David ideas. Saving that Sorry, for later. Sorry, Steve. Don't give Steve yeah, ideas. Put, put that away for later. Yeah, just tucking that one in there. Oh, and again, feel free to do investigation checks, guys. Well, I'm not sure if we'd call them investigation checks. That's a D&D &D thing. But feel free to look around. You may find explore some... Explore the room. Stuff. Explore the room. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Explore the room. I'll explore the room. See what else is in there. Anything else besides bug bunks and lockers? All right, I need you to do a quick check. So if you have a dice with you, I've explained it to you before, but this is for the audience. Everything... Every action is decided by a dice roll or a coin flip. It's very simple. If you get an even number, the thing works. If you get an odd number, the thing doesn't work. If something is a bit more difficult, I might add a couple rolls, but that's the gist of it. It's very easy. So you said you want to explore the room, Chris? I do. All right, I want you to roll a die and let me know if you get an even or an odd number. All right. Yeah, I got a six. Excellent. You look around the room, and you notice everyone else's lockers looking very appealing and secretive. To your left, you see David's locker, and you see several papers be hastily that were hastily shoved into it, and it's bursting at the seams with secrety goodness. Hmm. Not trying to be a bad guy, but I am curious. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. You open up David's locker, and papers spill out all over the ground. For whatever reason, you see newspaper clippings all about different child kidnappings across the galaxy. I swear those are someone else's. Well, I can explain. <laughs> I'm just going to neatly put them back and shove them in where I found them. Because I just keep that in mind for later. Yep. Mitch, you haven't done much. Would you like to explore while uh, Mitch and David, or while Chris and David are off doing other stuff? Sure. Uh, how about I go check my locker? You go into your locker and find all sorts of rubber equipment. I'm not really sure why you're so into rubber, but apparently where you're from, it's a fashion sense. You've got rubber gloves, rubber shoes, even got a rubber cape for some reason. Like, everything in your locker, no matter what it is, is made of rubber. Alright, so Mitch, you go on and put on... You go put on your fashionable rubber accessories. Do you go in the bathroom to do this? Yes. <laughs> Alright, let's read about the bathroom. It's a bathroom. However, since you're in outer space, you don't use a traditional toilet, but a futuristic vacuum that sucks out all the... stuff, and jettisons it out into space once you're done. It's a little bit weird using a vacuum to do your business, but it's form-fitting to most bottoms and relatively comfortable. There is also a sink and a mirror with a medicine cabinet on top. I want to go through the medicine cabinet. You take a peek into the medicine cabinet and see everyone's embarrassing medical conditions. However, at the very back, you see an Offworld Minerals brand medicine kit with the slogan, A medical kit a day keeps workers' comp away. Now, if you remember, Offworld Minerals is the name of the corporation that's in charge of this planet and this mining corporation. Anyways, you take a look at the kit, and it's mostly empty, but you see a few supplies sitting at the bottom. What are the supplies? Just some random futuristic healing medicine. Can I pocket them? Yeah, you can pocket it. Hey. Yeah, you um specifically get a couple of bandages and one kind of future what is it? one kind of future cream that you're supposed to use to help heal an injury. Uh, anywhere else any of you want to go? Uh, no, I'm just gonna go head back to the bridge and I watch the jump. Okay, you guys all heading back to the bridge? Sure. Out of curiosity, before I leave this the quarters, yeah. is there between the clothes I have in the locker and the ones I'm wearing now? Uh, no difference except for personal fashion sense. 
Hmm, I don't really have one of those. So let's go in the bridge. Yeah. yeah, what you're wearing right now is just practical, like, work outfits. Because you're just going, uh, you're about to go into your job. Okay, so everyone heads back to the bridge, and we can advance the plot. The flashing blue light transitions to a deep maroon red, signaling to the crew that the ship is about to finish its jump. All right, ladies, barks Captain Adams, let's get this over with. Outside the ship, it seems like the stars around you are beginning to smear and melt away as the ambassador exits its jump. Suddenly, the world around you snaps back into place, and in front of you is the planet Neurocosmos. True to its name, the planet is completely covered by water, and there is nothing but blue as far as the eye can see. All around the ship, you begin to hear the hissing of static as your digital equipment begins to go haywire from the planet's electrical interference. The last thing you are able to see is a message on one of the ship's displays that reads, Please fasten your seatbelts, before it too dissolves into a sea of white noise. Captain Adams, being originally from the Earth state of New Hampshire, thumbs his nose at the seatbelt, as he would rather live free or die. You all know that quote, right? Yes. Okay, good. Just making sure it wasn't lost on you guys. <laughs> okay. He then proceeds to disable the ship's now-broken autopilot system and switches it to manual as he begins to steer the ambassador towards the planet. I need it nice and quiet in the back, says Adams. This is going to require my full attention. As Adams says this, you look out a window of the ship and see a large cluster of asteroids hurtling towards the planet. Nero Cosmos has the unfortunate combination of being located next to an asteroid belt and having a very thin atmosphere. In other words, whenever you're on Nero Cosmos, Expect very heavy showers. Adams nimbly maneuvers the ship past several falling space rocks, and the ambassador begins its descent towards the water world. All right, guys, is there anything you want to do before you enter the atmosphere? Buckle up. Yeah. Buckle up. Okay. <laughs> buckle up. Okay, so who here buckles up? Me. Yes. Me. Okay, you all buckle up. Okay. As you break through the planet's atmosphere, you see a small silver speck on the horizon. As the ambassador flies ever closer, you are finally able to discern the outline of the Offworld Minerals mining post, the Plunder. This mining post is similar to most other OFM models, save for the giant anti-space debris laser perched at the very top of the station. The laser cuts an imposing image, and it's easy to see that this tool isn't just for show. Even as you fly closer, you see the laser hard at work, rotating around the station and blasting away at any asteroids that get too close. The Ambassador has no such giant laser on its person, so Adams continues to be preoccupied with dodging the asteroids that are outside the laser's range. During a free moment, Adam pulls out an old-timey device that you would vaguely know as something called a short-range radio. Adams throws it back to the crew. I'm a bit too preoccupied for small talk. One of you Nancys hail the station and get us permission to land. Who wants to take the radio and contact the station? I can. Okay, so then Adams will hand the radio to you, David. This is like one of the old ones with like one of those tuner dials. Where gotcha. You just gotta like All right, I'm gonna start dialing until I get the, the right frequency. Do I know what frequency it's supposed to be at? Um, I'll, I'll handle it for you in a second. Okay. Uh, David hails the station as, or David attempts to hail the station as you fly closer and closer to the plunger. You mean At Steve? first you hear, oh, Steve, yes, I'm so sorry, Steve. <laughs> Excuse me. At first you hear nothing but static as you attempt to find the correct radio channel. After a moment, though, you think you can hear brief snippets of human speech. Stop shit. You stay away. And that's what you hear. Uh, do you want to respond? Wait, before we go further, um, I have a complaint. Yeah. Okay, so if we're dealing with electromagnetic interference from this Oh planet, my goodness, nerd alert. Okay, and the radio <laughs> is somehow working through the, where radio waves are also electromagnetic waves. Darn it. Okay, I should have done more research. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm just curious about this, but I see. Okay. All right. 
Nobody will care. Well, All it's right. because I did less research than I should have. Thank you, David, for ruining the podcast. Or thank you, Steve. <laughs> thank you, Steve, for ruining it. You're welcome. It's, yeah, it's I, was, I was really scared, actually, because for those of you who don't know, which would be everyone, David is like a physicist. So I was saying, oh, crud, if my science is wrong, he's going to point it out. So I apologize. There we go. I, I just, I'm living up no, to my predictability. Fine. All right. So David uses his powers to alter the laws of physics and uses the radio. Yes, I like that. All right. I'm bored. Okay. So you have a chance to respond. What would you like to say? Sure. Um, I'd say, what do you mean? Wait, sorry. What did they say? Help? He said. Well, they said something like this. Stop shit. You stay away. Oh, gosh. All right. Um, I'm a little concerned. I would like to reach out and be like, do you need help? Or is everything okay? What's going on down there? Suddenly, you hear a click as you finally locate the plunger's radio channel, and an angry male voice screams at you from the other end. I said to stay away! Oh. Okay, so after you hear this very loud voice, I want you guys to roll to see whether or not you are startled by this, and therefore momentarily distracted. Everyone go ahead and roll a dice, please. Does it matter if you hear the clinking of the dice on the table? No, not at all. It makes it more authentic. Okay, 14. 14? Okay, so even. So you can just say even or odd in the future. If it's okay, an odd. An odd. odd, okay. Odd, okay. Wow, David. So everyone else except David jumps at the sound of this really loud voice. And David, since you are remaining focused, you're able to look out at the station and see the space laser slowly rotate out from the sky and begin pointing towards your ship. Okay? Okay. Um, uh, Captain Adams, do you, do you see this? I'm glad you mentioned that. Because Captain Adams, who had been so intently focused on dodging the asteroids, is momentarily spooked by the scream from the radio. He shakes his head and looks back at you, David, with an annoyed expression. What the heck did you guys just do back there? Oh, uh, that laser's about to... That laser's about to fire. We gotta get out of here. Of course the laser's about to fire. What, you think it was installed because it looked pretty? Can I run and reach for the steering... Um, device. As long as you unbuckle your seatbelt, sure. Oh gosh, alright. This I, <laughs> that seems like dangerous, but it's worth it. Alright, I'm gonna unbuckle. And you're going to... what are you trying to do? Just I'm just trying to move the... I move don't know, it's wheel? not a steering wheel, but like whatever it is. The he's space using. steering wheel? Space steering wheel, yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. want to kind of jerk it so the ship moves out of the way of the laser. Okay, you're going to attempt this. Uh, roll a dice to see if you succeed. Sure. I got an odd. Oh, okay. So, oh. David, you run up to the ship and try to jerk the wheel out of place, but you slip on Adam's um, unbuckled seatbelt and you fall to the ground. No. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, okay, what's a stupid way this could happen? Adam's briefly says, live free or die, right before you hit the ground. Okay, after this, so good attempt, though, David, good attempt. A bright purple light floods the cabin of the ambassador, and you brace yourself as you feel the ship lurch violently to the side. Adams, who, as we just mentioned, neglected to put on his seatbelt, dies free when he's flung across the room and smacks into a wall. David, <laughs> you were lucky because the seatbelt got tangled around your leg, so you're safe. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, anyways, so the ship's been hit by this laser, and it's starting to begin a rapid nosedive towards the sea below. All right, since I'm already close to the steering wheel, can I try and grab it again? Of course. <laughs> Go ahead and roll. <laughs> okay, even. Even. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, David, you grab the steering wheel and jerk it up as hard as you can, and you just barely manage to right the ship just seconds before crashing, crashing into the ocean. The ship clumsily descends into the water, and you plunge deep into the depths for just a moment. However, 
After a few seconds of frightful uncertainty, the ship bobs back up to the surface and is now floating atop the waves. Congratulations, guys. You've survived so far. That's good. Uh, you guys take a moment to collect yourselves and assess the situation. You're all a little bit banged up from the crash, and you're certain you heard the ship make some very expensive noises when it was hit by the laser. But otherwise, you're all alive and well. Except for Captain Adams, of course, whose body resembles that of an old-timey Earth accordion. Wonderful. That's an image yeah. I can't get out of my head. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you guys all put on your seatbelts, because otherwise they're like, okay, if they don't put on their seatbelts, they're gonna have to smash into the ceiling and take damage. Oh yeah, I want to go look at his, his body and loot it. You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you don't really have to roll for that. So you go over to Adams's um, accordion body and rummage through his person. Um, inside you find a earth candy bar, actually. And you find his wait, new wait, camp... Sh uh, a Mars bar. <laughs> Space joke. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so you find a Mars bar, you f and you find his New Hampshire driver's license. Covered in blood, of course, but it's there. No, like, guns or anything? Or... All right, off the no, wall no. question. Does he yeah. have a hat? Does he have a hat? Uh, yes, he did. He had a captain's hat. I'm taking the captain's hat. You're taking the captain's hat. Okay. Um, is there anything else? Well, he also has really nice pants, but that's really the only other thing on him that's a shoes. Shoes? Yeah, he has shoes. But he's he's one of those weird people who wore flip flops with socks. So. Everyone shudders. Ooh. All right. Well, now that we've got that settled, um, I think we yeah. should look around and see, evaluate the damage. That sounds like a great idea. Okay. So you want to go investigate the ship? Yeah, I think I need the help of a ship specialist, though. And is there any other people of the crew that are on the ship? Um, it was just you three and Captain Adams. It was a skeleton crew because this seemed like a very simple repair job. Gotcha. Okay, so where do you want to go to investigate on the ship? Engine room. Engine room, okay. So you go back to the engine room, and you feel something akin to looking at a dying animal. There's, there's well, not flames, but you see sparks flying everywhere. You see smoke coming out of the engine, and there's just a... It looks pretty bad back there. Like, the rest of the ship is okay from what you can tell, but the engine's... Engine has seen better days. And there are sparks and electricity shooting out from it. I know. Uh, so we do need a, a specialist and you know, one with a rubber. You can try to go in if you want to. I'm not getting electrocuted. Uh, I guess I can uh, go in and see what I can assess needs actual repairs. All right, so Mitch puts on his rubber suit, his rubber cape glistening or flowing in the breeze, and he goes to investigate the engine. Would you roll please to see if you can um, ascertain how to fix the engine? I haven't even. You see how to fix the engine, but unfortunately you lack the tools to do so, ironically, since you're an engineer. That's unfortunate. Yeah, what the plan was when you came to Nero Cosmos, they have their own engineer bay here, so you were just going to use their tools to fix the communication relay. Alright. Then it sounds like we need to go to the actual outpost and... Yeah, so you can probably find some on Plunder somewhere. Gotcha. But yeah, so the, sh the engine looks like a mess, but it doesn't look like it's going to explode anytime soon. It's just not going to start up again without a little bit of extra help. Are we taking on any water? Is there any no, you're fine. Wall? Yeah, the okay. hole actually is at the top of the ship. Oh. So it hit you at an angle when you were trying to descend. So thankfully you're not sinking, but you have a nice little sunroof now. Yeah, sunroof, that's it. You have a nice little sunroof. I'd like to go check on my personal belongings. Okay, David goes and looks at his newspaper clippings. Thankfully, all the kidnapped children are safe and sound, at least in the newspaper. <laughs> Alright, oh sounds good. Sounds good. It's like, be safe, my precious. And you close I, I the door. I stuff a couple into my jumpsuit. 
Okay. <laughs> For good luck. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'd like to check out the hole on top of the ship. Okay. You check out the hole. It's about two feet wide, and you see the edges have been completely burned by the superheated plasma from the laser. Uh, other than that, there's really nothing to investigate or to see. Can I cover the hole with a tarp? Yeah, sure, you can do that. Do you want to get outside the ship to do that? I would, actually. Take All my right. first look around. So you open up the ship, you take a look around, and in front of you is nothing but endless ocean. Besides the um, City of Plunder, of course, that's to your side. You look to the left, and you see blue. You look to the right, and see blue. You look north and south, and guess what? It's more blue. Nothing breaks the monotony of the scene, except for a strange and rather large-looking ripple in the waves a little further off from the station. It's probably just your imagination, but even so, you might not want to make too many sudden movements if you find yourself in the water. That's good to know. All right, I'll try <laughs> yeah. to see if I can't climb. Are you at the hole, or do I have to climb to it? Um, you're at the hole. At the hole. I like to just, you know, cover with just something. All right, you've covered it with some extra rubber that Mitch had, I guess, and or with or you take Adams's pants and use it to cover the hole or his shirt. There we go. He's not needing it anymore. Yeah, it's like now you're a part of the ship forever, Captain Adams. So you cover the hole, and if it ever rains, your ship is waterproof. Are there any fishing poles on the ship? There are no spi- There are no fishing poles. This is a spaceship. Hmm. I never know. Space fish. Yeah, that's true. Space whales. Yeah. Uh, how far out is the outpost? How far? So luckily, you're only about like twenty or thirty feet away from the ladder. You could probably, you could probably make it. Probably if you go quickly. Do we have a raft? Please tell me we have like a Yeah, you have an emergency raft. You know, it's like an airplane. There's a flotation device you can use just in case. I'd like to um try and pick up Captain Adams' body. Okay, you pick up his body. It's much lighter now that the life has faded from him. Uh, okay, and I. I want to drop it into the water and see what happens. You drop his body into the water? Yeah, to see what happens. See if that Actually, little... that's clever. Okay. I was going to so... do that. <laughs> All right. So you give him a salute as you chuck the now um, half-naked man into the water. Just throw uh, some you... food into it, but okay. Throw the captain. You see, you see a few bubbles, <laughs> and he disappears. Disappears, like just kind of sinks? Yeah, he just sinks to the bottom. Hmm. All right. That was disappointing. Uh, I'm gonna swim. Like, oh, a wave of red. So, no, 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 no. I'm gonna swim over just to the ladder real quick. Swim over. Okay. So you jump in the water and quickly swim over to the ladder. You were able to make it, but you feel like you know something was watching you. Might have been just David or Captain Adams's disappointing corpse. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I'd like to also try and swim over if you, I see he made it over safe. Okay, you make it over as well. No, I'm just going to sleep on the ship. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to risk ship. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mitch gives you guys a captain salute and heads back downstairs. All right. To make yeah. some more yeah. escargot ice cream. No, mm, I'll... I'll uh, biscuit. I'll, uh, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll swim over too because I need those tools. There was a raft as well, remember? You could use that. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll take the raft over. <laughs> yeah. I'll look on forlornly as if I had forgotten that there was a raft. Okay, so Mitch arrives over at the ladder, and he is the only dry one amongst the three of you. You are at the ladder that leads up into the City of Plunder. What would you like to do? Climb it. What is, like, can you describe what we're seeing? Like, oh, I'm so glad you asked, yes. Um, you get up onto the ladder and gaze upward at a massive jungle of steel and concrete, which is the City of Plunder. 
You feel like ants next to this gargantuan structure, and the plunder stands defiantly as the single bastion of humanity on this strange alien world. You're unable to see directly up into the station, but it sounds a lot quieter than you thought it would be. It's a little bit different, but it's it's kind of like an oil rig, a futuristic oil rig, because it's a place where people work and live at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's basically what it is. <clears throat> I want the tools and I want them now. <clears throat> want the tools and want them now, okay. You pull yourselves up the ladder and find yourself in the Plunder's housing district. Dozens upon dozens of perfectly identical beige houses align the street. This is where the hardworking citizens of Plunder would retire to after a hard day of work. And yet, strangely, no one seems to be around. Even stranger still, the ground around you is littered with trash and debris, standing in contrast to the boring yet pristine looking houses. Man, this place is a dump. Do I hear anything? I'm so glad you asked. So you want to like look around? I want to listen first. You said this is like a oil, a futuristic oil rig. There should at least be some kind of machinery going or something, right? Yeah, yeah, good thinking. So. Even though you don't see any people, a lot of the systems on the plunger are automated. So in the very far distance, you can still see the space laser kind of like whirring around shooting asteroids out of the sky. And you can also see a little further back, you see something that looks like a hospital. And what looks like a communication relay, like that satellite thing that you were supposed to come fix in the first place. And as you, also, also there's one more thing. As you look around, you notice that there's one house in particular that stands out from the rest. This one house has a door that appears to have been broken off its hinges. And when you look down, you see some kind of dark red liquid smeared across the sidewalk as if something had been dragged across it. My guess, it's probably strawberry jam. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Alright, well, I need tools. We need to fix the relay. There's strange Got a couple of tools up. right here. <laughs> wow, that hurts. Hey. Wow. Sorry. Alright. <laughs> it was just too easy. Go ahead, sorry. Who wants to go investigate the red smear? Let's do it. Okay, do you want to look at the smear itself or the house to where it's the smear is going towards? I want to look at the smear itself. Yeah, the okay. smear. You go towards the smear, and whatever caused this, Seems to be a little bit old. Like, you're you're no forensic scientist, but you think, may, hey, maybe this is like a couple days old. But when you look around a little bit closer, you see several different smears, all with varying degrees of freshness to them. And they lead up to the same house? Uh, yeah, they lead up to the same house. Do I have a Maybe fire we should bomb? not go in that house. <laughs> What'd you say, Mitch? <laughs> Do I have a fire bomb that I can just toss in the doorway? <laughs> this must be purged. Um... All you have is literally rubber and Adams' pants. Which one? No, the pants are on the ship still. Yeah. Pants are on the ship. Did you guys take his shirt? No. no. Oh, yeah. Which one of you, David, do you have his New Hampshire driver's license? Yes. Okay. <laughs> That'll come in handy. That's the secret item to beat the game. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, so that's the Mars bar. I would like to go into the house next to it. Okay. The, the one that's, like, unremarkable. I just want to, I'm going to knock on the door. Knock on the door. Okay, you knock on the door, and there is no response. All right. Can I see if I can open the door? Is it locked? Yeah, you can open the door. It's um, It actually is locked. However, as you are standing at the door, you begin to notice a rather unpleasant smell coming from inside. Is there a window I could look through? Yeah, there's a window. Yeah, I'll look through the window. Okay, you look through the window and see a living room, and you're able to... So it's one of those windows that's right next to the door, so you can kind of peek into the right and see the actual door, and you see that there's a lot of furniture in front of it, as if it had been barricaded very quickly. 
of course, the window's not barricaded, so these people probably didn't think too much about it, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's suddenly their problem, not mine. Sounds like they were panicking for whatever reason, and they just kind of acted quickly. Or maybe they just wanted to rearrange their furniture, I don't know. So, I'm going to go to each of the houses on the lane, except for yeah. the Jan house, which yeah. I'm going to call that. And I'm going to try all the doors. So you go a little bit further down the housing district, and you realize that the first um, first string of houses were actually the only decent ones. As you go on, you see more and more in differing states of disrepair. You see some with broken windows, some with other broken doors, and you see more of this mysterious jam substance lying around. And obviously when I say jam, I'm being coy for blood, okay? I, I think that was obvious, though. It, it, that's a given. Yeah, okay, making sure. Yeah, so it seems like the further in you go, the worse it's getting. And the first broken house you saw was kind of the outlier in that area. I would actually have to go back to the original strawberry jam house. Okay. Uh, what do you want to do? You want to peek through the window? I, I would like to try to peek through the window. Okay. You cautiously approach the house with the broken door and peek inside the living room. You see furniture tossed all around the room and several broken vases and picture frames. However, the house is still receiving power, and the place is actually quite warm and cozy, save for the clutter, of course. Anybody else want to go in here with me? <laughs> it sounds like a trap, but sure. Sure, why not? So you go into the house, and what do you do? You're in the living room. I'm in the kitchen. You, so you're just going to walk straight into the kitchen? I'm walking straight into the kitchen. Okay, let me... Okay, okay, cool. So you walk into the kitchen... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm sorry, oh, I'm, sorry I'm sorry, I'm cool, I'm cool. Woo. I just, I just was not expecting you to do that. I actually... <laughs> mm. I'm so sorry. Something good is in the kitchen. I'm, I'm, give me, I'm give me smelling a, second. a plot I, line here. I literally, I literally need to stop and get water for a second. <laughs> I feel like I wasn't supposed to go in the kitchen yet. I think you're about to die. Yeah, that sounds oh. concerning. Okay. Oh, so by the way, go. um, completely unrelated... But all of, let's go over your hit point amount quickly, okay? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh, great. Yep. So, so Mitch and David, you two both have three hit points. But uh, Chris, since you were a former soldier, you're you're a little bit buff, you're a little bit healthier, so you have four hit points instead. And I, I mentioned this long, to you. For, I mentioned this to you for no no really obvious reason. So you walk into the kitchen. And you stop as you see a family of about four or five huddled around the kitchen table. You can't exactly see what they're eating, but they are furiously just chowing down on whatever's there. Nope, nope, nope. Backing up. Okay, so now I need you to do a uh, quick, you know, like, athletics check quickly. Sure. So I to roll a dice. It's a two. Oh, okay, okay. So you slowly back away. And Chris and Mitch, you guys both followed him, so I need you guys to roll as well. Oh, I don't want to back away. I want to ask, uh, they got room for one more. Okay, do you actually want to say that? Yeah, David, for one more at the table. I got an even. You got an even? Okay. So, David, you walk in, you sound like, howdy, folks, you know, we just were in the strangest incident, you know, hmm, that looks tasty, you know, wanna, can we have some of that, whatever you're eating? So, the people eating immediately stop. And they whip their heads around to you. When their heads whip around, you can see a little bit of the table, and you see piles of human body parts and bones. Ah, the people's yep. mouths are covered in meat and blood, and they stare at you for a moment, unblinking. Uh, I'm not hungry anymore. Is that what you say? Yes. I'll see you okay. guys later. In response to that, the family of five open up their mouths, and you see what's really interesting about their mouths is that their teeth are entirely black. 
and they're sharpened like fangs. They begin uh. to pick themselves up from the table and start to sprint in your direction. Oh. Nope. Nope. Okay, I'm gonna run oh. for it. Yeah, same. Yep. Alright, so you yep. guys you guys run out of the house? Yeah. Okay. Um so you sprint out of the house with this family of five in hot pursuit. So as you guys are running pretty indiscriminately. And you know that one scene in like the first season of The Walking Dead where they're just running and then zombies pour out of the buildings after them? Yeah. I can't no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I don't. No. That scene doesn't exist. That never happened. Okay. Uh, we go into a field of flowers, right? <laughs> right. So as you're running, where do you guys run to, by the way? Strawberry fields forever. <laughs> That's funny. Right outside the front door. <laughs> okay. So like what direction do you run towards? Oh. Towards the hospital and the relay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, towards the, the hospital. hospital. Okay. So you're running, and as you're running, you see like all these other strawberry jam houses. As they hear you run, you see several heads like popping out, and these people are just bursting through the windows, crashing through the doors, and they're all just are start all starting to sprint after you. Like blood is over all of them, and they just they they look very very eager to meet you. Oh, friendly. Good pun. All right, so um, I'll I'll throw you guys a bone quickly. So there are two directions you can go specifically now. So you see the communication relay in the hospital in the distance, but you also see an alleyway to your right. And you also see a, so you see an alleyway, you see a, you see a sign that says the mines, and you see another sign that says the food court. I don't want to get eaten, so let's not go to the food court. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's not go to the food court. To, that's funny. <laughs> I say we just keep going to the relays. So one of you looks back behind you and you see the I guess people still chasing after you, but you haven't really, they haven't really gained on you. You haven't really gotten away. It's about an even pace. And out of curiosity, which one of you is running at the front of the pack? Mr. Soldier Man. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. So you guys are running towards the communication relay and you pass by an inconspicuous looking building. All of a sudden, a pair of hands reach out and try to grab you. So this is going to be a difficult scenario for you to avoid. Uh, you need to roll twice and get an even both times. So, out of curiosity, what would happen if I failed? Uh, something that you don't, that you may not want to happen, but that I want to happen. Oh, well, thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, three. of course. A three. Okay, so you are running and all of a sudden this pair of big meaty arms grabs you and yanks you inside the building. Uh, what do you try to do? Um... I'm swinging. Okay, so you feel your fist connect with the face, and someone goes, Ow, what the heck, man? I'm trying to help you. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. You'll be quiet, okay. So the man pushes you roughly, the person pushes you aside, and you're able to briefly see, you're able to briefly see that it's a man of like around mid-age, around 40, 40 or so. So he jumps out of the building, and he looks over to you, Chris and Dave, and he says, Get in here, hurry! And then he jumps back inside. Okay, I'm gonna trust him and go in. And Mitch, you just want to keep running? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'll keep running. <laughs> okay, so you guys jump inside the building right before the people get to you. And you know like how in shopping malls they have that chain link thing you can put down over a business? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that, but a bit thicker. So he, as soon as you guys get inside, he slams it shut. And the room instantly goes into darkness. You're silent for a second, and all of a sudden you hear dozens upon dozens of bodies smacking into the chain link fence thing. And you feel it pressing in as it looks like it's about to give out. Whew. Is there a way we can reinforce that? There's a little bit of furniture lying around the room. 
I like to ask this man who he is. Okay, the man says, shut off and help me barricade this. Oh, okay, okay. I guess you have that priority first. <laughs> Railroading uh, the plot. Let's, <laughs> let's barricade. <laughs> it's like, let's have a conversation. Yeah, here's my back. Oh, the monster's broken. Oops. <laughs> yeah, help him barricade. Okay, so roll a furniture check. Oh, uh, what does that mean? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You barricade it. So the furniture, um, or the wall kind of groans and creaks as it's being pressed in on, but... After a little bit, it stops, and it's able to hold. And you hear the people kind of just milling about outside, and then you hear dozens of feet clomping as they start walking in different directions. You are, for the moment, safe. The man turns over to you guys, and he says, I thought everyone here was dead. What the heck are you guys doing running around the town like that in broad daylight? Who are you? What are you doing here? How are you? What, what What's going on? So the man, he kind of does one of those tough guy things where he spits off to the side. And he says, name's Axel, and up until now I thought I was the last survivor on this forsaken station. Where did you guys come from? Our ship was shot down on the way in. So Axel, uh, a light of realization comes in his eyes and he says, that was you guys? Oh my gosh, I thought that thing blew up when it hit the water. Uh, then you're not able to see the laser, but he points his thumb in the direction. He says, one of the other, there's one other survivor here as far as I know of, once the things started attacking he boarded himself up in there and won't let anyone won't let anyone get in basically i guess he thought you guys were hostiles or something and he tried to shoot you down looks like he succeeded so uh what are those things yeah so axel kind of gets a far off look in his eyes as if he's reliving something that you can't see and he he says just it feels like it was just yesterday but it also feels like it was a lifetime ago we were digging in a new mine looking for some more MacGuffinite. And we struck something that we'd never seen before. It was this black liquid. And before we knew it was happening, it sucked up one of our crewmates and ate him. Except he was still there, but he was one of those monsters. And it started spreading throughout the entire station. We closed off the mines, but it was too late. And before we knew it, everyone was like those things out there. So basically, um, there was some sort of weird ooze thing that they found in the mines, and it started eating everyone and turning them into monsters, if Perhaps that makes a sense. marker of sorts. A marker? Okay, that, that's not the Dead Space inspiration, but yeah, like a <laughs> marker. <laughs> I was thinking kind of like Venom, almost. So that's what, that's what Axel tells you guys. Okay, that's horrifying. Yeah, it's messed up, man. It's freaking awful. How long has it been like this? Shoot, how long was it? Oh, yeah. He says, I've kind of lost track of time, but I think it's been a month or two. And then he says, more importantly, do you guys have a ship that still works? We got to get off of here. Oh, uh, it does not work. It we does need not work. Tools. We need tools to fix it. If So long as I can get tools from your uh, engineering station, I might be able to do so. And some elbow grease. And some elbow grease. Okay, so Axel stops and thinks for a moment. He says, I didn't really work in that sector of the, uh, of the station, but I'm pretty sure we have some repair tools here for your ship. The only problem, though, is that laser thing. You pause for a second, and you can hear another asteroid being blown up from the laser. He says, even if we get your ship back up and running, that thing's going to blast us out of the sky unless we disable it. Hmm. Is there a way we could send out a distress call as well from the communications relay? Yeah, um, he said, I haven't really been able to see the communications relay. I've been holed up for a while. But I assume you can still send a message if you want. But of course, you know, here on Plunder, there's usually about a two-week response delay between sending a message and being received by the OFM. You survived two months. I mean, we could survive a week. Yeah, we could try that. Regardless, we have to fix the communications relay if we want to send a message anyway. Mm-hmm. It's warning someone not to come. 
But I think sending a message is not should be our, should not be our priority. Taking out the gun, repairing the ship, and leaving is way more efficient, but also risky. Surviving. Axel says, "Yeah, sounds great. You guys mind if I tag along?" Axel is going forward to shake your hands, but then he stops and winces in pain. You look down at his chest, and you see that there's this big gash across his chest. You guys, um, you guys, or Axel sees you looking at him concerned, and he says, oh, don't worry. Those things don't infect by bites or anything. They have to absorb you. This is just, this is just a nasty shiner I got from a close encounter about a week ago. And then he tries to put on a brave face, but instantly starts coughing up blood. All right, I guess I can read him. Guess you can what him? I'm going to treat him. Oh, I thought you said, guess I can eat him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, we don't know how long we'll be here. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to treat him. I'm going to ask him to remove his shirt and perform some medically stuff on him. Do you have any medicine with you? I can cauterize it. I, I have this healing cream stuff could use. I grab that on the ship. Okay, so do you give that to Chris? Yeah, I'll give him the bandages and healing cream. Okay, so you pass the cream over to Chris, and Chris, because you're a trained medical professional, you recognize that this cream is actually a very effective super healing cream. It only has enough left in the tube for one person, but because you're a skilled medical professional, you're able to apply it more effectively to the wound. And after you heal him, you have, you have what you feel like is one more use left of this cream. So Axel breathes a sigh of relief as you look and you see his body's healing process rapidly speeding up. You can see like muscles still slowly beginning to knit themselves back together. And there's a faint hiss of steam as the wound slowly seals back up. Axel kind of twists around and investigates his body. And he says, thanks a million, man. I was afraid I was going to bleed out before we got out of here. So then after this, Axel goes all business. He says, listen. I don't know what you guys want to do first since you kind of just saved me and everything after I saved you. So like we're even or whatever, but whatever we do, you know, we got to make sure we get that laser offline somehow. All right, let's start there then. And Axel says, it's not going to be that easy though. The entire station is swarming with those freaks. We're going to have to find a way to sneak past them. You don't, you don't have any weapons, do you? Just my good looks and my fists. Uh, let's find some <laughs> weapons. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of Failure to Launch. We had a great time making the show, and if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to hit us up with a 5-star rating, a like, a comment, review, whatever it is. We post new episodes every Thursday, and you can find us on your favorite podcast provider. Until next time, ciao!